There's been a little thread that I, I've picked up this week um, as we've come together and as we've been praying. And uh, it, it, I think it's even a word that's been mentioned a couple of times. It's this word distinctive. Distinctive. That as believers, as Christians, we know that there is a call to us to be distinctive, to, to be different, to, to stand out. And uh, I think many of us believe that in the days ahead, Christians will increasingly, those who truly are believers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, those who love the Bible, um, who welcome the Spirit, there is a distinctiveness about us. And some will love it and come towards it, and some will not love it, and they will rebel against it. But there is a distinctiveness about us. And so over these weeks, just feel to pick up this phrase of being marked by. This distinctiveness that we're, we're marked by certain things. And today, um, perhaps not unsurprisingly, I just want to touch on something for a, a little bit on being marked by prayer. Mark, that Christians are people who are marked by prayer. Followers of Jesus are people who pray. People might not agree with it. They might not understand it. They might not believe it. But the truth is, if you say you're a Christian, one of the things is people will expect that you pray. They just will. They will expect that you pray. They wouldn't be surprised if you say, I pray, if they know that you're a Christian. Well, of course, because that's what you believe. Personal prayer is a vital part of the believer's life, of any believer's life. It's at the heart of the, at, at, sorry, at its heart, it's the outpouring of our relationship, of our love to a faithful God. That's where it starts. It's my response. I'm responding. Now we can call that worship. We, and what's the difference between worship and prayer? There's so many ways we could talk about this subject. But my heart is responding to God. But in prayer, it's, a, it's an interpersonal relationship. God is responding to me that I can hear from God. Again, people may not believe it or understand it, but there is a truth. I, I can be led by God. He speaks to me and I speak to him. Now, there are huge examples of that right the way through the Bible. It's responding to God. To quote uh, our weekly notes right on the page one, you may have spotted this little uh, quote that I, I picked up from Terry Virgo. You are not earning points by praying. Do you hear that? All right? I don't want anybody... I, don't, I understand when somebody comes to me and says, I'm so sorry, Mark, I won't be able to be at the prayer meeting. I do understand that. But I don't want anybody to have guilt and condemnation. We're not, it's not about earning points when we pray. Oh, I forgot, you know, I, my, my points are down. I need to do an extra five minutes. It's not about that. We must hear that. We're not trying to look good. Importantly, we are not being justified. All right? We're not being made right because we do a certain amount of prayer. Romans 4 verse 6, Terry says, God justifies the ungodly by faith. 
as we put our faith in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we took communion just now, that's what justifies us. I am declared just as if I had never sinned. Because of my faith in Jesus, not because of my praying, not because of my money, not because of my good works. I am justified by faith. So we're not trying to look good. We're not trying to feel justified. In prayer, he says, we celebrate our God-given righteousness. We say, thank you, God, what a wretched man I am, that you have saved me. You saved me. I was lost. You saved me. You found me. We celebrate our God-given righteousness, and we get close to our Father in prayer. We come close to our Father. Now, different ones of us will pray in different ways. I'm a walker and a talker kind of prayer. I like to sit down and, and really focus, for sure, but it's a talking with God through the day. I want to encourage that and commend that to you. There's so much we could say about prayer. There are whole books written on prayer. But I, I just want to say to us that I think... There's something that God wants to grow in us, in our distinctiveness as a people. I want to say this. It's not flippant for you to say, let's pray about it. Or, I need to pray about it. I, I'd, I'd love us, many more of us, to say, yeah, I think that seems good, but I just need to pray about it first. I think the problem is sometimes we can feel when someone says, oh, it's a bit holy. You know, that's a bit holy. Uh, what I want to say to you is, don't be religious, be real. But actually, pray about it. Pray about it. Talk to one you know, Let's just pray about that. Let's go away. There's been numbers of times in our life, Jackie and I said, we, we, we're feeling something, but we just need to pray about it. And Jackie will pray quite differently to me, and, we're, and we'll pray together. But we just need to pray about that. I think so often, as Umin wonderfully said, so often we get a challenge, somebody resigns, somebody goes, something happens in business or in the family or whatever, and we immediately go into that sort of, I, I go to find where at my fix-it mode. And then at some point somewhere along the line, we go, oh, perhaps I ought to pray about it. And actually learning to first say, oh, Lord, to come to the Lord. I thank you that you're keeping me, that you love me, that you've got it. As he said, that you're there for me. Now, Lord, what, what is it? Give me an ear to hear today, this week, this month, this year. What is it you're wanting to say? What is it you're wanting to do? Now, the subject of how God speaks to us is massive. It's a huge subject. I'll get Les to talk on that one day. But, um, <laughs> but it's a massive subject. How we hear from God. But it's not flippant. Don't let it be flippant to say, let's pray about it. I need to, to pray. Also, I feel just as uh, we get in, I'm going to get into the book of Acts in just a minute. So we will come to the word of God in just a second. Um, I want to say this. I think some of us need to be braver. And I'm speaking to myself first and foremost. I had an instance the other day where I was ready to put this into practice and I didn't quite get the moment. But I think we need to be braver, braver to say, I'll pray for you. Do you ever do that with someone that you don't know if they even how they're going to react or what they're going to say? To say to them, I'll pray for you. And 
you know, when you do that, whether it's in the shop, the neighbor, the colleague, whatever, my, when I have done that, do you know what people almost 99% of the time will say? Thank you. Thank you. They don't say, oh, no, don't pray for me. I don't want it. Whatever they believe in, they're happy, particularly if they've got a challenge or a difficulty. And I think we, part of the distinctiveness is that we need to learn more and more. And I speak firstly to myself to be a bit brave and say, I'll pray for you. Here's the next step after that. All right? Can I pray for you? Again, when you say that to someone, usually they think, oh, yeah, thanks very much. They don't, and the, but then you, oh, what you mean right now? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done that. I have done it once or twice with a complete stranger, perhaps, or, you know, someone who I know probably is not a follower of God. But actually, I will pray for you. But another step is, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you now? And to see what God will do. To see what God will do. We need to be aware of our language when we're doing that. We need to think very carefully. When I have done that on occasion, I often will keep my eyes open. I keep it conversational. God, I just want you to come and meet with my, my good friend here. They're hurting. They've got this real problem. Would you, would you come and meet with them? Would you speak to them in a way that they can hear and they can understand? Conversational. But bringing God into their life. Bringing... And then, and then you get this moment where they go, what just happened? I've suddenly gone all hot or something's happened or, you know, and, and you begin to go down those roads. Sometimes it's good to go right back to basics. The pandemic has done that in so many ways, hasn't it? Stripped back. I was just talking to one or two leaders this, this week and stripped us back in, in so many different ways. And I think one of the important things that we've got to be careful is, I loved uh, what Mike said about, about the worship guys. I mean, we do so appreciate But what we don't want to do is get sophisticated again. I'm hearing that all over the world. We, we don't want to get sophisticated again. Some contexts we were, the spirit really had just been diarized out. God and the hand of God somehow had been organized out in a desire to to grow church, God got left somewhere. The Spirit got left. So as we find our way forward, as we go forward into this year, we don't want to get sophisticated again. What we want is to be full of Him, full of the Spirit, and be led by Him, which is why even this morning, we're just, just feeling our way, going with the, going, well, with the flow, but with the flow of the Spirit. What's God saying? Now, there's no better place sometimes to go right back to that early church in the book of Acts. And uh, I hope you're finding the little notes helpful. Um, I, um, they originated, some of those notes originated from a good friend of mine, Mick Taylor, um, who was based at Bracknell many years ago, he used to do a lot of the Bible teaching in New Frontiers and, and then went on to Catford. Um, but I took a set of notes of his from many years ago and sort of made it a bit our own and we'll tweak and adjust as God, God leads us along. But um, I, I put on there uh, a quote, more mention is specifically made of prayer in Acts 
than any other book of the New Testament. And in fact, if you go to BibleGateway.com and put, just put in the word prayer and then look up the book of Acts, something like 34 times. Now that includes the headings uh, and it includes repeat mention of prayer in the same context, if you like. But even if you sort of take a few away, good 25 to 30 times prayer is mentioned in Acts. If you go to Galatians or Ephesians or Colossians or one of those, four times, five times, six times, Acts, prayer, prayer, prayer. Out of prayer meetings, the church was born. They prayed when challenged by opposition and danger. They prayed when in need of divine guidance. They prayed when burdened for others' spiritual needs. They prayed when ministering to the sick and the hopeless. They prayed when commissioning people for special service. They prayed when parting. They prayed when facing death. They prayed. They were a people of prayer. And right from the start, right from Acts chapter 1, if you like, there is this commitment to follow the Lord Jesus who had modelled prayer to them. He had modelled prayer to them. We spoke a little bit about that uh, a week or so ago as Jesus was praying. And as I started us off on Wednesday, Wednesday night, we talked about the first time that Jesus prayed. The choosing of Matthias, uh, Matthias that we read about in Acts chapter 1 on Friday is an interesting little story, uh, not for today to discuss. But what I think is key in verse 14 of Acts chapter 1 is where it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Constantly in prayer. So they're still in this time of transition, confusion. Jesus has said lots of things. Jesus has ascended. You know, the, the, uh, no, he hasn't yet ascended. Um, you know, what's going on? We don't quite know what's happening. But what should we do? Get together and pray. Constantly in prayer, along with the women, Mary and mother of Jesus and with his brothers. They're together in prayer. Just want to keep commending to you our times of prayer as we come together. It's great to have a little crowd here this morning, half nine, praying. Tomorrow, sure, again, half past one, little crowd, praying. Wednesday night, praying. Thursday night, praying. So on. Constantly in prayer. And they're modeling something to us. And it's out of that constant prayer, regular, consistent prayer, that God is beginning to work. The church is being planted. At it was at the very core of who and what they were as a body of believers. And, of course, in the very clear description of what a New Testament looks like in Acts chapter 2, what does it say in Acts chapter 2 we've been reading? It says, they devoted themselves, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Devoted, committed. What does the early church look like? What does a New Testament church look like? If I, I get called from this place to move to another town, another place, what kind of church am I looking for? A church that opens the Word, that teaches the Word, that gathers together, that builds and strengthens, that builds community, that worships together that breaks bread, shares communion regularly and often, and prays. A church that prays. 
That's the end of my notes, okay? <laughs> That's the end of my notes. Because what I'd like to do, we'll see how we go for a few moments, is to just look through Acts and see where they prayed and how they prayed. It's one of the things I, I, I love to do sometimes. Just go through a book and get a word, whether it's the word love or peace or grace. But literally, a book of the Bible with a pen. I am someone who does mark my Bible. It's marked all over. And I highlight things, I circle things, and so on. They prayed. Okay? So I want to just look at one or two things that happened. So we've already said Acts chapter 1, and I've written a P beside every one of the, of the word prayer or pr- prayed. Okay? Acts chapter 1, we just said, verse 14, they joined constantly together in prayer. Uh, verse 24 of Acts chapter 1, then they prayed. Okay, it's interesting. Whatever you think about this choosing of Matthias, and we don't really ever hear of him again, and whether they got it right, Jackie and I had a whole little discussion on, they threw dice, basically, to choose him. I mean, what's going on there? Um, there's, a whole, there's a whole sermon on, on that subject. But what is important in the midst of their choosing of Matthias is they prayed. Okay, they prayed. So there's an acknowledging of, uh, acknowledging of God. All right, that as we're, as we're choosing, as we're making decisions, I do not encourage you to draw straws or throw dice, okay? Uh, it's a funny little story. What I encourage you to do is pray, is pray. There is a stepping out. Sometimes you can have two or three different paths. You think, I'm not sure which one to take. I'm going to pray, and then I step out, and I wait to see how the door will open. I've said this to you before, and I say it again. It's something I heard Dave Devonish, one of the New Frontiers leaders, say many years ago, and I found it very pro- profound. Just because a door is open, you don't have to walk through it. All right. I think sometimes I grew up in that sort of evangelical world, and we, uh, we pray for an open door. Oh, look, here's an open door, so it must be God. But... I just want to know peace as well. I want to know his provision. I want to know resources. Just because a door is open, it might well be right to walk through it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's God. Okay, So we, we just need to be aware of these things. So what do we do? We pray. If I get through this, this will be amazing. Anyway, we shall see. All right, And then chapter 2, I've got another P here. Verse 42, I've already mentioned, devoted themselves, the apostles teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Now, here's a couple of verses on. Chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At the time of prayer. So just, there's a moment there. There's something regular there's something consistent. There's an expectation we're going to pray. All right, They go up to the temple to pray. Now, obviously, we, obviously we, we've got Jewish uh, 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 people here. You've got the temple situation still here. So there are times of prayer. But I don't think it's wrong for any of us. I, so I do want to say, in the organicness of life and the walking through life, it's not wrong to set time aside every day to pray. It's not wrong. In fact, I think for many of us, it's a good habit. We said last week, didn't we, it takes 40 days to make a habit 
all right, or so 40 times of doing something. It take, you have to consistently and regularly do it. So setting time aside, best as I can in the context of life, this is the time that I pray. So Peter and John are heading for prayer. There's a pattern in their lives, okay? So there's a pattern in the local church. And then, of course, you see this incredible story of healing, just bouncing through this story uh, lightly, through the Scriptures lightly. But as they are heading to God, as they're heading to a time of prayer, opportunity seizes uh, and there's, there's a moment of healing. All right? Coming across in now into chapter 4. Still this whole story, because, because of what happened, a crowd gathered, there's almost a riot. They get thrown into prison. And we're now into chapter 4. Uh, Peter and John have been released, uh, verse 23. They went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. People are all together. And what do they do? As they hear the story of what's gone on and what's happened, they pray. And you get this wonderful prayer. And it's a prayer that starts with the declaration of who God is, the heart and nature of God. And then they ask God and they remind God of his promises. Uh, But their response is to pray. And look what happens, verse 31, chapter 431. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Their focus is on prayer. They're coming to God. They're declaring the greatness of God, who He is. They're reminding God of His promises to them. They're asking for His power and His strength. And God confirms it. He shakes the very building, fills them and enables them and empowers them. Don't we long for that? Don't we long for that? I don't know, I said the other day, I don't know if we want a hundred plus year old building to shake, but, um, but to, to be shaken out of our apathy, to be, to be shaken in terms of our purposes uh, in God going, going forward. Okay, so just going to something else now. Chapter 6 going to use the word here commission commissioning and I want to link it to uh, some verses in chapter 13 as well so if you've got a physical bible you can stick your finger there but in those days the number of disciples was increasing the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food The twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will return this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Just before we get to the word commission, just want to say that, that actually there is a calling in the Bible. There is a calling here that the apostles are saying that there are those who are called to pray. I'll never forget, <clears throat> it's in a former life, many, many years ago when I first, um, as it were, <clears throat> was employed full time um, in a little Baptist church in Parkstone in Poole. Um, 
uh, which is now Gateway Church, is sort of Bournemouth and Paul down in that area. But I remember um, I was being, as it were, commissioned. Hands were being laid on for me for that sort of ministry. I'd been a student and I was being set apart as a full-time employee in that context. They wanted to pray for me and it was a very significant meeting for the church and for me. And I asked a really good friend of mine who would come and preach. And I've, I can't remember virtually anything of what he said other than one thing that he said to me. He kept looking at me and uh, I had to really work it through over the years. He said, Mark, you've been paid to pray. You've been paid to pray. And it's like, okay. What he was saying was there, was a, there is a setting apart. There is a setting apart that for some, some are set apart for the ministry of the word and prayer. It's there in the Bible and we can read other accounts and, and the Bible also talks about actually receiving remuneration, receiving money for the ministry of the word and prayer. So um, there, is, there is something, if, if, a, if a Christian leader is not one who's praying, something is missing. Something distinct is missing. They're set apart so that we can give ourselves to the ministry of word and prayer. I mean, there's so many things that I could pick up on, on these things. Anyway, um, so you can ask me, are you praying? What are you praying about? And you should be able to get an answer from me. Uh, and, and this verse is, is part of that. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and also these other men, uh, their names, you can read them there. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Okay, so here there's a commissioning. So we love to lay hands. I can't, haven't got time today to talk about the laying on of hands, but I absolutely believe, and it's there in Scripture, that there is something significant in the laying on of hands. Absolutely, when we lay on hands. I find myself very often when I begin to pray for someone, when I put a hand on their shoulder or maybe if it's appropriate, I'll reach out and touch their hand, hold their hand. I often find something just gets communicated to me by God, by God's Spirit. Because we are, we are made to touch. It's one of the battles and struggles that, um, that has been over these last two years that we've been asked not to touch as much, not to hug, not to, not to do those things. But there's an impartation that comes. There is something that is imparted from God. I don't understand all the mystery of it, but I believe in the laying on of hands. And in this instance, <coughs> they laid on their hands to commission them. Just to pick up another one of the, the P's in Acts chapter 13. This is Barnabas and Saul. They're being set apart. The Holy Spirit has said, set apart for me, uh, Barnabas and Saul, to, for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They sent them off. I would like to just pray for Mike and Jill. As they go, I think it'd be really good. Um, why don't we all stand for a minute? Margarita, Umin, why don't you, Jackie, you put your hand. Angie, could you come over and just stand with Jill and Mike? And, well, in fact, Angie and Rick, uh, you guys are right. People put some hands on you, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but just, just love these guys to bits. And they've been such an example, even to us as a church. You know, they're absolutely gutted. They couldn't go away the other week, and they've been waiting on God. I, 
I value this couple so highly. I really do. I thank God for them. And uh, I, I just really feel and believe that this next five weeks, whatever it is they're going, is, is very significant. And I just feel as a church for us to commission them. And I, I feel this is not just a holiday. It's not just a holiday. It's, yeah, going to see family you haven't seen for a long time, being with them. But I know that these are always significant times for you both. And Heavenly Father, let's just maybe you like to reach out a hand towards them. Father, we, we don't want Mike and Jill just to go to see family, just to go for a holiday. We want to commission them in your purposes. Lord, give them eyes to see what you're doing in the nations. Father, give them hearts to respond. Lord, the just feels to me there's a significant moment. There's, a, there's another gear being changed. There's another corner being turned. I don't want to put anything on you at all, but just a sense of, Lord, I pray that <clears throat> over these days you would speak to them. When they get lovely times of just resting and relaxing and being with family, would you speak to them? Would you confirm some things? Would you clarify some things? But Lord, also, would you fill them and refresh them? I want to thank you and honor them before the body and before the church for their faithful service. Faithful, faithful service. Week in, week out. Day in, day out. Father, refresh them. I pray they be refreshed. I pray they be encouraged and strengthened in their inner woman, inner man. Lord God, Father, we... We set them apart for this time. We, we want to send them with our blessing. Father, we want to say, may they be a blessing in Sydney and beyond. May they be a blessing to their family. May they be a blessing to strangers that they meet. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Wonderful. If you feel you've got a little word for them or a scripture, do, um, do share that. How are we doing? We've got a few more minutes. Let's just see where it takes us. So that's Acts chapter 6. I mean, I am just bouncing along. I'm literally looking at the prayer. Oh, well, here's the next one. Here's a challenging moment. Acts chapter 7, verse 59. Listen to this. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed. It's just, I, you know, when I got to that verse, I thought, what? I'd never seen it quite like that and here's another one you'll know this one well chapter 16 come back to in a moment but chapter 16 verse 25 about midnight Paul and Silas oh hold on a minute 22 the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, I'm not sure of the difference between a gentle flog and a severe flog, but severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. 
And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So on receiving such orders, he also put them in the inner cell, which would have been horrific itself as a place, and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. While Stephen was being stoned, he prayed. Paul and Silas severely flogged. What are they doing? Praying and singing hymns. It's just wow. How quickly, when something goes wrong, when the car breaks down or sickness diagnosis comes along or whatever, and I, how quickly I find myself getting down and low and depressed or fed up or frustrated. Just speak to myself. I, I, don't, I barely even want to look out into the body. I just, how quick, you know, when something doesn't quite go the way I, I'd like it to. They prayed. They prayed. They worshipped. They declared the praises of God. I just, I just want to commend these scriptures to you. As we're people to be marked by prayer. When the problems come, the challenges come, how do we respond? Chapter 8, verse 14, the apostles in Jerusalem heard Samaria had accepted the word of God. They sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, what's the first thing they do? They prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Love us to be doing that week by week. Ashley and I have just been saying we feel particularly on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we just want to keep praying for one another. And one of the things we need to keep praying for one another is that we might receive the Spirit. I just want to say to you again, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, ask me. I've got faith to believe, to pray for that. So if you ever want to say, Mark, will you just pray for me? I want more of the Spirit. And I'll, I'll say to you, but they laid their hands on them that they might receive. They prayed. It's the first thing that they're doing that they might receive the Holy Spirit. I really am um, bouncing through this. Then, of course, Simon, this sorcerer, sees that the gift of the Spirit is received by the laying on of hands. That's a wonderful thing that he sees. What did Simon see as he saw that laying on of hands? But he saw there's something distinct as the hands are laid on. So he, he asked to pay for it. Can I have some of that? How much do I need to pay to get that? And the, the man nearly dies there in the street. Um, but Peter says, repent of this wickedness, verse 23, and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. It's like, get on your face before God. Pray. Pray, Simon. Pray. And Simon says, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said will happen to me. This is dynamic relationship with God. This is not some sort of just holy, holy, holy sort of little declaration of phrases. Phrases are good, but it's relational. It's, this is a real God. This is a God who meets and encounters his people. And Simon recognizes this. There's a power at work here. Pray for God. Pray. Pray. Talk to, talk to God for me. Okay, we'll keep going. Chapter 9. All right. 
So this is where Paul comes into the story. And he sends uh, um, Ananias to Paul. Go to the house, uh, verse 11, of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying. He's had this encounter. He's fallen off his horse. He's met with Jesus, as you know. um, and, And he's praying. Go to this man. Meet with him. He's praying. Okay, so Paul is a praying man. He's got much to learn. Um, God has encountered him uh, and he, he's praying. No longer this religion, uh, he's been released. The Spirit is coming. Here's an interesting one. Over the page, chapter 9, verse 40. Okay, this is the story of Annas and Dorcas. Okay, in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha who was always doing good and helping the poor, about that time she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in a room upstairs. Peter arrives. Peter's there. I want you just to notice something here. Um, I just was struck by this. Okay, It says, Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent all of them out of the room. Don't know whether he did. He just felt a lack of faith. There was a lot of traditional wailing that was going on with these widows. He sends them all out of the room. See what it says there, verse 40. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Now, he's going he's to lay hands on her in a moment. He's going he's to believe God. But he starts with prayer. And I, I just was chatting to Les before the meeting, and I was saying, sometimes it, we're, we're quick to sort of come in and lay on hands. And actually, one, one of the things that just struck me here with Peter is he prays. He prays. He gets before God. He gets before God. He prays. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He comes to God and then he speaks with faith. Just commend these verses to you to to think about. A few verses uh, further on. Here's another little highlight that I think is worth us knowing. This is Cornelius. This is a Gentile. This is a Roman soldier, a centurion. Okay, known he's in the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. This is 10 verse 2. He gave generously to those who need and prayed to God regularly. All right. This is Cornelius. Why is it that the Spirit is about to come on him and his whole household? Why is it the power of God is about to come? Why is it that he's the forerunner of you and I? We're Gentiles. He's the forerunner. Because at this point, the message is just coming to the Jews. But Cornelius is a turning point. Peter has this image, doesn't he? He goes up on the roof. Um, get up and eat these cloven animals, uh, the sheep that's being let down with all the different animals he's not supposed to eat. But God is speaking to him. The Gentiles are going to come to faith. You and I are here today. And, and Cornelius is a forerunner of this. And one of the things, one of the marks of him, one of the distinctives of him, he prayed regularly. You getting the thread this morning? He prayed regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. 
he distinctly saw an angel of God who said to him, Cornelius, etc., your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. God hears when you pray. Somebody say amen, please. It's come up before God. You're a man in the Italian race, a Gentile, outside, outside of the promises. And yet, God says, I'm hearing, I'm hearing. As we come to him, as we commit our way to him, he hears us. He does hear us. And here, your prayers have come, your generosity, your response has come. About noon the following day, verse 9, as they're on their journey, journey, Peter went up on the roof. What to do? To pray. This is the man who goes up to the temple regularly to pray. Peter goes up on the roof to pray. They often would go up on those flat roofs. That's how, by the way, they were able to rip it open and lower a man down because of the flat roofs and so on and so forth. But he goes up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Opportunity to meet with God as we give time to prayer, as we set ourselves aside, as we get ourselves up on the roof or wherever it might be. I don't commend necessarily in this nation that we, we do that. But you go somewhere to set yourself out to one side. Go somewhere where you're not going to be distracted and begin to pray. That might be down the front, walking along. It might be in your room. Shut the door and begin to pray. And in that moment, God speaks. And he comes and begins to, to show a declaration of the good news is going to come to the Gentiles. Get up and eat. Surely not, Lord. No, my heart is for all nations. My heart is for all nations. And then what we get, are the, the P's that in my Bible are coming up, is the story being told and retold. So Cornelius telling the story of what happens, Peter arriving, uh, Cornelius telling him the story, and Cornelius telling him that he was praying, God has heard your prayer, um, in chapter 11, um, the, the rest of the Jews are so... Um, uh, shocked by what he's done. The Holy Spirit gets poured out on Gentiles. He gets summoned to go and give a report. And so Peter says, while I was praying, while I was praying, we're running out of time. But um, let's, let me just uh, highlight a couple more. Um, actually, these are the ones where they're, they're most of them. A couple more, literally, as we come up towards 12 o'clock. Chapter 12 Peter's back in prison again. <laughs> All right. Been arrested. Verse 5. Peter was kept in prison. Note this. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. As I was growing up, um, I was in a church that would often pray for the persecuted church. We would pray for places like Albania. We would pray for places like Romania. I'm sure many of you have done that. Some of you will still do that. Um, there's still organizations out there will help us. Peter, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I want to just say to us, let's not forget the freedom that we have and let's not forget those in many other nations who don't have what we have. 
And I believe that one of the things God would want to keep reminding us, we need to be a church that prays for those who are in prison for their faith um, and to pray for them. And so I just want to commend to you, I haven't got the date written down, but the next Regions Beyond Global Prayer, which was, will be in March, I don't know if anybody noted it yesterday, but um, it's sort of every other month, is going to be for our churches that are in the Middle East. And there is, there is a witness in the Middle East, but they're under incredible pressure and attack. And it will be opportunity to pray for those who, literally some, are in prison. All right, so the church was earnestly praying. And then in verse 12, um, I want to just notice something here. So they're praying for Peter in prison. Okay, and of course, Peter gets this miracle, doesn't he? He gets released from prison. He's released from prison. Um, Peter came to himself, verse 11, and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord has sent an angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Okay, so we've just said about that. So they're praying for him, they're praying for him. Peter knocks on the door at the outer entrance. A servant girl named Rhoda comes to the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she didn't open the door. She ran back without opening and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. And they said, no, you're out of your mind. So they're praying for Peter in prison. But when she says, no, he's, he's here at the door. No, don't be silly. Don't forget to listen out for the answer when you're praying. God hears and he does answer. But it's not always the way that we expect. I want to say to us today, don't forget to listen carefully. And don't put God in a box and say, Lord, I'm going to pray to you and this is the answer I want and this is how I want it because he may bring it differently. Are you ready for a different answer? Are you ready for the answer to come in a different way? Look, committed to 12 o'clock, Lucy's serving our children. Go on through, go on through. Those are the core ones, but go on through, Acts. Just look and see. There's two or three more places where the word prayer comes up. Expectation for prayer, the place of prayer. It actually, uh, the subject of prayer drops away towards the end of Acts. So I've, I've covered nearly all of it. Let's, let's stand together. Oh, Lord. Prayer is something that Christians do. But prayer is not just something Christians do. It's a relationship with the living God. Every area of our lives.
Mike's prophetic provocation to us back at the end of last year was a call to prayer. Part of the context was to to feed the roots of the promises of God, if you like, that prophetic word that had come. God's God speaking to us prophetically about what he wants to do in us and with us as a body. Those roots are to be fed by prayer. Coming to God, seeking his face, to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. Feeding the promises of God by prayer. Lord, we thank you for the privilege. We thank you for the joy of knowing you, of being able to talk with you and walk with you. Lord, we think of those, those couple on the, on the Emmaus Road. It says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Lord, we want to pray in these days that our eyes would be opened, that our ears would be opened. Oh, the Lord is speaking. Look what the Lord is doing. Give us eyes to see what you're doing, Lord. Give us ears to hear what you're doing, Lord. And hearts to respond in obedience as you speak. It's the whole area of silence, of waiting on God. That's another whole area to prayer. Just waiting. Still, small voice of God. Lord, we pray that you would increase our prayer life as a church, as individuals. Forgive us where we make quick decisions without asking you. Forgive us, Lord, where we've made choices or decisions and asked you to back them up afterwards. Lord, we, we pray, teach us to come to you first. First, Lord, to say, I'm going to pray about that. Lord, we we do ask you right now today that you would fill us with boldness and courage, that there might be a distinctiveness about us, that we would be willing and ready in the day of your power to pray for others, to lay hands on others. Lord, I pray that more and more we might be a people who say, I will pray for that. And that people will know that we mean it. I pray that we will more and more be a people who say, can I pray for you? And that we will begin to see your power at work as we step out by faith, believing that you hear our prayer and you answer our prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father, our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.